when the uh, the next time on Star Trek Picard came up in the finale, and I saw the trailer for the upcoming episode, Clay, I was so excited. Probably the most excited I've seen for any episode that's upcoming in the series yet, just because I know that it's it's going to be over. <laughs> after, after we're done with this next week, we will be over with Star Trek Picard. Put that on the poster. Yeah, just you'll be looking for you can't you you won't be able to wait until the end. Um you yeah. won't be able to wait to see what happens so you cannot watch it anymore. <laughs> Maybe that's enough to lead this one off and we'll uh, we'll take a break now we'll play some music and then we'll come back and we're going to talk about Et and Arcadia Ego. All right, so this is Et and Arcadia Ego Part 1. It's the ninth episode of the first season of Star Trek Picard. First aired on March 19th, 2020. Teleplay goes to Michael Chabon and Aelet Waldman, who's actually his wife, I believe. Michael K- uh, Chabon and Aelet Waldman and Akiva Goldsman are the story credit, directed by Akiva Goldsman, whose name you probably remember because he's been around since Discovery, and then before that he's actually an Oscar winner, I think, for something. Mm. But we'll see. In this episode, following an unconventional and dangerous transit, Picard and the crew finally arrive at Soji's homeworld, Capellius. However, with Romulan warbirds on their tail, their arrival brings only greater danger as the crew discovers more than expected about the planet's inhabitants. And Clay, I think the, the main takeaway I had from this was we talked about in the last episode what we were looking forward to in these mm. remaining two episodes. And I've come to realize that my prediction of not much probably came true because I just, I'm, I'm certainly having a hard time caring about where this is going to go at this point because i i don't i think they've totally lost me to this at this junction as to what i'm supposed to be grounded in and what i'm supposed to mm-hmm. think is like the story and what i'm supposed yep. to think about is the character that i'm supposed to be concerned about and i think they've completely lost me and i feel very alone and isolated much like uh, bruce maddox on this planet building sense well you don't need to feel alone and isolated because i'm right there with you great I uh, I texted you earlier in the day when I was watching this, and I said, what the hell is this show supposed to be about? Um, and I meant that in an episode sense and also in a larger sense, because I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm feeling the same way, where I, I'm like, I don't know really what, all I know is there's going to be a big battle next episode, yeah. and <laughs> I don't really know what I'm supposed to care about. How we actually got to this point, like I felt like there were so many. This felt like an episode. You know how I say pre uh, a lot, where a lot of the Discovery episodes or these newer Trek episodes, it, it's almost like if you only watch the 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 previously on, um, you're probably better off, and everything seems like it makes more sense. Yeah, because they, they only highlight the very important bits that brought you to that point. In, yeah, in the this previously. Is, this one was kind of the opposite of that for me because I watched everything and they were talking about stuff that I did not track at all. Mm -hmm. And like the more I thought about it, the more nothing that got us here really made a ton of sense to me. I'm I'm starting to, well, they've hit the point now where I've, I'm started to be overloaded with the plot to the point where I can't oh, remember so how plot. how we got here. So like when I was watching the Red Letter Media review of these mm-hmm. of the previous like 6, 7 and 8 episodes I think. <clears throat> and I honestly don't remember 
a lot of the mechanics that those guys are talking about in that video because they're a couple episodes behind us at this point. Right, and right. I just, I, you know, we started the series just by saying that, like, I thought that it felt different from Discovery. I'm now at the point where I realize it's no different than Discovery is in any sense. Like, the maybe the only thing that this show did differently, and I would say superior to what Discovery did, is that it did set things up in a way that felt like it had more of a structure to what was going to happen in the series. Mm-hmm. It kind mm-hmm. of abandoned that, and I think it gave up on it. But at least as, as opposed to Discovery, where I never feel like I really understand what's going on in any point of the story... <laughs> Uh, this was, I thought I knew Keeping what you was on gonna... your toes, man. It's a <laughs> <of a> good story. <laughs> I thought that this was, I knew where it was going to go. And by the end of it, it's not gone anywhere near that. And I don't know, there's a lot more specifics that we'll get into, but I, I just feel like it was kind of a depressing episode for me just because I, I honestly ended it going like, do I want to talk about the new Star Treks on the podcast anymore? It, it's like... <laughs> Because I feel that this and Discovery get to a same point where our, the tone of our conversation is like it starts off when we're kind of like, oh, we'll see where this goes. And then the middle, like, we're like, yeah, we're kind of running out of time. Like, are they going to do anything with this? Yeah. And then by the end of it, you're just like, yeah, okay. Like, this is exactly like Discovery in that it's going to end with a whole bunch of loose ends that they're not going to tie up. It's just mm-hmm. going to have these these info strands that you thought were important or that you thought you were going to get clued into are not going to be resolved. And the writing team is just going to say, it's just something that you need to ignore. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not the kind of person who needs everything tied up for me. You know, I think there's a certain point where you can kind of let, um, the, the, the characters and, and stuff take over. um, so as long as you you kind of stick the landing from a character standpoint and and in and that and as long as the action that gets you there seems like it makes sense i don't really need a ton of exp, uh, ex- explanations like like uh, children of men we just covered yeah i was just thinking that yeah but it's like by the time the ball starts rolling you're not really thinking about the mechanics of like the uprising that's happening and they give you just enough to get you get you across the finish line and i think it works pretty well um <clears throat> this on the other hand is these new trek shows feel like they are st- <laughs> i don't know this is going to sound like me being such an asshole um they they sound they feel like they think they're really smart and they want to show off how intricate intricate their plotting is, but they half of the stuff that they do doesn't actually make a lot of narrative sense, and they don't pay it off. So by the time you get to the end, they've got so much stuff they jam at the beginning, they don't have enough time to do anything interesting in, in the middle, then they jam even more stuff into the end to try and, and close it all up. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, why? what was Bruce Maddox's role in any of this <laughs> and why why was bruce maddox uh, cowering uh, in the 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 dungeon of a of uh, a casino uh magnate on a casino planet like yeah. i what how did he get there why is he there but they're talking about him at one point sutra says to soji you completed your mission and my head almost exploded because i had no idea what she was talking about i know and she she didn't explain it either She's no just- <laughs> She never says what her mission was. Yeah, I know. And then on top of that, since they got to wrap it up, they've got all these like 
you know, character moments that are completely unearned. You've got uh, Picard and uh, uh, what's his name? Ra- well, Raffi telling saying they love each other. <laughs> oh yeah, that one. You've you've done so much for me by by <laughs> telling me to stop drinking once. I love uh, you, JL. <laughs> you yeah. I mean the the one consistent thing that they've nailed with Picard's characterization is that they do show him in this series to be uncomfortable with emotion, which is, yes, which is yes. fine, which would be a good yeah. thread, but they, that's like the only consistent characterization trait that he has the entire series. I feel like. Yeah. And you've got the scene with Elnor where he's like, I am so proud of the person you have become. It's like, he didn't do anything. <laughs> he's, he's, he's anything seven. he has done. You haven't been present for. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and then you've got this later bit with uh, Gerardi and Rios. Oh my God, they're they in love have, now because they slept yeah, together one time. Yeah, they've yeah. had they've had like maybe three minutes worth of dialogue together across <laughs> ten episodes. <laughs> and same with with so, the closest one you can come to to actually having being earned, which still doesn't work, is Soji and Narek. When Narek is like, "But I, but I, but I love you," but he's obviously trying to like mess with her and stuff yes but, yeah but but even so it's like nothing about that is believable uh, actually i should say i did think it was believable because of the way that they handle that stuff in this show i was like oh i mean yeah i just assumed it's like all the other ones where it's just an unearned emotional character beat yeah and i, and I forgot that he was just fucking with her right because if it's if it's unearned it all comes across as kind of tricksy and uh subterfuge or something so he fits right into that kind of stuff taking life to save life Hurting some to save others. I just... I guess I'm just trying to understand the logic of sacrifice. The logic of sacrifice? Hmm. I don't like the sound of that. They de- I mean, that's, that's, de- that's a... That's a discovery modern Trek characteristic, I think. Like, that's yeah. just... It's, it, it happens in Discovery all the time. It happens in this show. It's... I and I, mean, I guess maybe to get into the specifics of this episode, um, I'm in, I'm incredibly disturbed that Brent Spiner is in this episode for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> oh boy! I you know th- people are making the argument that Seven feels like she was just kind of shoehorned in, and I think that that's mm. that's kind of an argument I can get behind, but it's also at the same time it feels like she had something to kind of do in this. This one, I have to assume by how badly. This character, this new Soong character, is brought in that he is lying about who he is, right? Like, there's no, there's no way this is the son of Soong that has never been mentioned before in any way. Shape, I don't or know, form. man. The lead of Star Trek Discovery is the sister of Spock, who's never been mentioned that's, before. That's <laughs> true, but it's like that's. I mean, listen. If 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 halfway through the episode, the next episode, uh, when everything is falling apart at the seams. He like rubs his face and his skin comes off and <laughs> underneath just... is, is, and it's lore in disguise. <laughs> I will stand up and I will, I will give this show a, a round of applause. But I... unless that happens, I, yeah, I don't know. My theory about that character is that it was the only way they could get Brent Spiner to do it. Maybe. Because, but it's like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, cause I, I feel like you want to pop in and do the, uh, shitty data makeup that you hate for two days 
or uh, and he probably said no. And right. Like, all right, what if you get to be on the show, but you can be you? And he's like, well, that's something I would love to do. Yes, and and they have had Soong descendants before. There's a Soong descendant in Enterprise that he plays, and oh, does he really? Yeah, yeah that's fun. And so it's not like this is an un. Uh, unheard of thing to have him come in sure. and play a some kind of soon because he plays Nooning soon in the TNG episodes and everything mm. like that. Mm. I think that the problem is in an in an acting tour de force. Yes, where he plays <laughs> three characters at once <laughs> in a, in an otherwise middling episode. I, yes. I think that the um, I think the problem character wise here is that. Soong was always played as if Data and Lore were his children. Like he is a, mm. he he's not the kind of character who actually has a biological child. Like he yeah, kind of defeats the purpose. Yes, right. Like his his whole thing is built around Data and Lore. He has built images of himself, and he like he treats them like his children. The interactions he has with them are very much like he's their father, and that they they are not synthetic to him at all. He treats them like real people, and. Mm-hmm. To just have this character come in, he says, "Hey, I'm dickhead Soong or whatever." And Picard, <laughs> Picard doesn't even bat an eye at him. He, he's just like, "Hey, he's you like, look like oh, Data." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. And I can't remember if Picard has ever met a Soong. I don't think he has. So you'd think he would be more impressed by this, but it's the plot of the show is so quick that they just have to bring him in. He says a bunch of nonsense, and then Picard's like, "Hey." You look like Data, and then they move on from it. it. It's so strange. It felt like Spiner just kind of stopped by, and they felt like they had to put him into the show because he was hanging out on the sidelines or something. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, just, I, I think that that's, that's the most, like, indulgent stuff that they've done so far, I think. Because I can get behind Riker and Troy. I can get behind early Data appearances. But this new Soong just doesn't work at all for me. And it's, it's, it's weird to just shove him in at the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't think bother you um, as much. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, at this point, I, I whatever. It's it. It was just like, all right, they're going to a planet inhabited by synthetics. Bruce Maddox is dead, so they got to talk to someone. <laughs> you who need knows a what's new, uh, yeah, a Maddox stand-in or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, like that's the weird. That's the weird thing about it because it's this whole. Uh, is it like the most? poorly telegraphed red herring ever that you you operate for the first eight episodes with the assumption that Bruce Maddox is the one who created these two and then by the when you get to the la- the ninth episode they're like oh no 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 he didn't create them he just he just took them and left did he with the, the soon character didn't build them though did he Cause they ha- I believe so. Well, they have that scene where he's talking about like he's he was good with bodies and he he can't work on the mind or something. So mm-hmm. that's why he had the the Maddox and Jurati uh, team with him. I mm-hmm. think I think that's what they're oh, okay. implying. I th- I think that he's like the because they, they have that Jurati scene where she's like, "Oh, you built a golem," and he's like, "Yes, I'm I'm good at building the bodies, but I can't do much else with it or something." So he he seems like a failure of a soon, but well, he can't do mind transference oh is that the difference which uh i want to know who's going into that body yeah yeah. (laughs) but honestly probably nobody because that's that that's about the that's the same kind of thing as the glowing green badges on the borg ship right uh it has potential to be something cool but they're probably not going to do anything with it unless my first thought was they put picard into it to get rid of his brain thing right and he, he just becomes a synthetic from that point on yeah i think you're um I mean, the, the specifics about the episode are just 
I, I was tremendously bored throughout this one. Oh, God, it was so boring. It's an incredibly boring episode. Spiner so is weird to be in there. Um, what, what were your takeaways from it? Uh, yeah, I just, it was, uh, it was so, it, I just feel like it's, they had so much stuff going on that they jammed in at the end of this se- season that where you should be ratcheting up your tension and, and your excitement going into your finale, you've just, you're explaining more stuff. And <clears throat> I mean, the plus side to it, if I had to give it a plus side, it's probably one of the more Star Trek-y episodes, like maybe half of it is one of, is more, one of the more Star Trek-y episodes they've done just because they go down to a planet. Yeah, and that looks very Star like Trek-y. A, People wearing does, flowy, yes. flowy clothing and sort of walking around <laughs> doing nothing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just the fact that they have like an ethical discussion about with this race of people or sorry, synthetics um, about the ethics of killing out of like murder versus self-defense and stuff. They get into a little bit, which it was it was an interesting scene, but ultimately didn't really mean much to me. Um, so it, that's all that stuff felt very Star Trekky. Specifically, it felt very TNG like, but um, I I don't think it was enough to really keep it going. The the synthetic lady can do the mind meld. Yeah, everyone can mind meld. That's, in this, that's yeah. something you could just learn how to do. <laughs> <laughs> everyone can do it. I know. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize you could just like read a book on it and practice really hard. I'm just. I'm kind of just. At the, I'm at the end of the story, and you know, like I'm, I'm even sort of capable of ignoring the fact that it is bizarre that they crash on this planet, and the Borg cube crashes on the planet, and they just go to it for three minutes, and then they go off yeah. to their their own journey. Not to mention, not to mention my favorite part of the episode after when they crash, and they're like, and Picard's like, I need to know, I need to see if they're okay, and Rafi's like, I don't know, if something that big falling that fast. It's going to be really hard to survive it. Cut to them getting to the Borg cube. Everybody is fine. Everybody's fine. Everyone's just Everybody's walking around. <laughs> Perfectly. Cut to the chase. But this Borg cube that's the size of like Chicago landed right side up and they just walk in the front door and happen to run into everybody who's in there. <laughs> that's... We'll have more thoughts about the uh, the Borg, I suppose, later on. But it's uh, I just don't understand. There's no reason to that for that scene to exist, other than you have to get Seven and Elnor into the show in that episode. Right. It's like they don't do anything with them; they just go. And Seven says some nonsense about censors, and that's her like whole scene. And then Elnor is like, "I'm glad to have known you," and Picard says, "I'm proud of you," and they hug and they walk off. And it's like this is oh, that's the other thing. Where they where they walk up and they find it, uh, Gerardi's like, "Oh, I guess it's broken now." And then they walk in, and Picard's like, turns to uh, Soji and says, uh, "We survived. This thing didn't." And then they talk to Seven, and she's like, "No, everything works." Yeah. <laughs> what do you need? What do you need? We got replicators going. You need long range sensors. We got that. No problem. What are they doing? Oh, they're fixing things. That's what they do. Yeah. They're, the, they're the XBs. I mean the. Possibly the most frustrating thing, because I doubt that they're going to do this. I, I see no way in hell that there's time for them to resolve this stuff. I am mystified by the Borg cube in this. I mm. There's just no reason for that thing to exist in this show. Like, 
everything right. about it seems obviously designed just to create a central hub where characters can go to. And like Seven is drawn to it. Soji, I don't understand why Soji is there at all in the first place. I don't understand what they're doing on this cube. Like what, what are the X, is it designed just to enable the reclamation of Borg? Are the Romulans doing anything? Is the Federation getting anything out of it? I mean, we've talked about all this stuff, but it was always in the back of my mind They'll probably explain this. Like, this is such a huge nope. part of the show that we must be getting an explanation, and it just seems like it's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know why the Romulans were on that cube. Uh, I also watched the Red Letter Media thing today, and they, they brought up a really good point. What happened to all the other people on that thing who weren't, uh, who didn't have their name in the credits and also weren't Borg? Right, the, the Federation that place, scientists that they show at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. Yeah, were were there were, were they part of the uh, evacuation when the Romulans evacuated in the last episode? I they just all those people just kind of disappeared. Everybody yeah. else who was actually it went from <clears throat> the Borg cube went from multi, for lack of a better term, multinational uh, uh, group working to help fix these people who used to be Borg into. This place is run by the Romulans, and it's full of bad guys. Yeah, it was kind of like um, Antarctica. How Antarctica is like every country has a little piece of Antarctica that you can go to and sort of. Do and your- also, how it's you can't fly over it because it's fake, and we're actually surrounded by an ice wall. <laughs> that's, that's right. There, there are Borg buried under uh, under Antarctica. It, mm-hmm. It's 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 kind of like that, and I mean, I suppose that's the like we were just talking before about how you don't need explanations for everything. However. I I think the Borg cube here needs some kind of explanation. Like it's just yeah. so it's so important, and people are actively doing something on the cube. Like they, the show never tells you what they're doing, but there's a whole lot of people doing something on the cube. Mm. And it's just it, it comes down to this thing of Seven drives it through the trans warp conduit and shows up, and then crashes the thing into a planet. And it's like, mm-hmm. wow, like. You know, I wouldn't have endorsed it, but even if if the Borg cube had come in as like the Calvary or something, and like just that's what I thought was going to happen. It it didn't even do that. It's it just comes in and crashes, and then they say hi to seven and say goodbye. Yeah, it's you know when I say what is this show about, I think all of that is is part of my issue because one episode away from the finale. We're, we've got this battle for the fate of the humanity, I guess. I don't even know what's, what the stakes are here. I mean, I, I've lost who is actually responsible for killing who at this point. It's just, I, yeah, it's, it's, it seems to be the destruction of the synthetics on Mars was, down to, was due to just miscommunication. Where they the people the Romulans got the admonition message, but they couldn't handle it, so they thought that they needed to destroy the synths before the synths could destroy them. Yes, but, but then the, it's a the, message the to synths, the synths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, and I guess there's yet another mysterious group that's going to show up <laughs> of <laughs> high uh, high celestial synth. Yeah, people, the, the highest whatever. life form of AI are supposed to, sure. to show up. Yeah, yeah. sure. Why not? Um, Again, but, not you know, a, not a mind blowing revelation. I don't know why this causes people to heads explode. Basically, because it, it seems this pretty stock sci fi story. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, uh, if you 
if you if you dial down the resolution of your apocalypse message, maybe it doesn't drive people insane, and then they don't fear you and try to kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, but, you know that's that's the plot that like that's what's happening, but that stuff is never what the story is about. You know what I mean? And I don't mean just in Star Trek. I mean just generally. Like right. if you're if you're if you're if you're having a if if you look at Star Wars, if you've got Return of the Jedi, where you've got you're you're flying in the Rebel whoever to blow up the Death Star, that's not what the story is about. The story is about the uh, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and the Emperor and dealing with that stuff. That like that's there's there's an emotional uh, thematic element which is what the story is about. I don't know what that is for this show yeah. because they just keep using stuff. That doesn't. That's very. It's not grounded. It's not connected. It's not explained, and uh, or it's not given a reason to be there other than just there. It is, and I find it like like looking back at this point. Doesn't that episode where they get Bruce Maddox and go down to the weird casino planet seem like extremely weird and out of place? Yes, it does. Because it's it's just a complete side quest. That ultimately doesn't mat- matter and doesn't serve anything except to show to have Jurati kill Maddox. Yes, the 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 yeah. only reason that that exists is because Jurati has to kill him to feel guilty about something, and I'm not convinced that he was actually killed there. Um, mm. he, he that could be an android or something, you know? Sure, it, it's like. Sure. Anything's up in the air at that point. I I didn't want to leave your Star Wars point though because I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before. But um, Star Wars, Star Wars. Let's talk about the Last Jedi. Um, Star Wars is probably a pristine example of the amount of like world details that you need to tell a story because. Star Wars, like the, I'm talking about New Hope, not any of the others, just Star Wars and New Hope. So, mm-hmm. Star Wars is this huge galactic war going on between a rebel faction and this, like, Im- Im- impressive, like, imperial force that's led by a robot voiced guy in a black suit who fights with laser swords. And, mm-hmm. but you never, you get such a good sense of what's going on without it constantly hitting you over the head of what the details of this world are, which are right. kind of irrelevant to it because it focuses just on Luke's story. And I think that where the Picard series went wrong is that you can do that kind of stuff, but you can't, you need to center it on Picard and you can't just have these sort of like constant details hitting the the audience and being like, pay attention to this. This is going to be important. It's it's not really about that, and you, you can forgive a, vape, a lot. Baby. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you can forgive Sorry, a lot. I didn't mean to. Yeah, I didn't mean to step on your point there. No, you can for, forgive a lot, and oh, definitely. Yes. Like it's just, I think Star Wars is really an accomplishment for that because I think that it it it, set, it has this incredible universe, but the story is very simple and understandable and stuff like that. And this didn't do that. It the, the storytelling yeah. in these series is the opposite of that kind of storytelling. Yeah, and I and I know I don't want it to sound like we're saying uh, uh, we they don't need to explain so much and then be pissed off that they didn't explain anything because it's I think it is two different types of storytelling and one of them requires clean exp, uh, clean explanations for the elements you have in your story. Star Wars is not a plotty story; 
it's a it's very much a lived in world kind of I, I hate to say char- it's not a character study or anything, but it's like there's not a ton of plot going on in Star Wars. It's pretty straightforward, so that yep. lets you kind of just immerse yourself in the world and not really worry about the details. This thing was set up with all all of these mysteries, all of these plot threads. If you're going to do that, you need to be able to explain why everything matters. Otherwise, when you try to pay stuff off, no, nothing works. Yeah. You know, like I – yeah, it's just – it's it's really fascinating to me. And I would be – this episode – this episode is the first one, especially – I think it's probably since I've seen the stuff that um, – uh, Michael Chabon's been putting on Instagram, which I've I've been seeing secondhand through you. But there was that one thing he he said where that a lot of stuff they had to cut for time, like a lot of exposition and and backstory. Yeah, he focused particularly on Narek and Narissa. He said that in the, the original scripts, those guys had a whole fleshed out backstory that was like described their re- relationship. That doesn't their matter. Lines. Yeah, yeah. No, that uh, who who cares? Um, Obviously, but, why like, it's cut is the ultimate yes, point there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the thing you put in your story Bible, but you don't put in your script. Um, but like this episode feels like it just got slaughtered as far as that stuff goes. Cause it just feels like there's so much stuff that they're talking about that is not explained and glossed over, which really should be at this point, or which really shouldn't be at this point. Um, and it just feels like a, it feels like an, a different show. It does. Yeah. What do you, what do you think this series is about? If you if you had I don't to, know. if you had to, <laughs> what, what's your what's your main? If you were to say that this show has a theme, what would be the theme that pops into your head? Um, well, we had said previously, like like regret, regret is a big one. Yeah. Um, which I would I would still probably say that. Um. I would say it's regret and the feel, and uh, I guess this is technically still regret, but the the feeling that you you could do more to help. I guess, yeah. This, maybe regret is the word you use there. But <laughs> it just seems like a lot of the characters, a lot of the characters have the same sort of motivation or standpoint where it's like they feel like there was an there was an instance in their life where they needed to to go above and beyond to help people and they didn't do it. Maybe not because they, they chose not to some of them. Yes. Some of them no. but they just didn't get the job done. Yeah. And so they are now getting the opportunity to do that a little bit. Yeah. And I, I would agree with that. And it, it's, I think regret is the right way to sum that up. And I think it's a lot of um, sort of atoning for mistakes kind of in some ways, like, a, yeah, yeah. It, a lot of them aren't maybe that's probably closer to what i mean yeah atoning to, atoning for mistakes and that ties into like the federation's thing about the synth storyline and stuff like that i think the secondary storyline which is i think regret was like an early theme and it's kind of died out at this point the the second theme that they got in the second half was the idea of like synthetic human rights or like what it means to treat people like humans mm-hmm. and Mm-hmm. Well, I, well, I'll give the regret of um, the regret storyline kind of like a C minus, I think, because my problem with that stuff is that they never, they've never really dealt with the characters' issues that effectively. Like, I, right. they they kind of mention them and they move on from it, but 
to me, the the synthetic storyline is like a complete failure of anything because yeah. there's there's no clarity to what they're talking about. And right. like on, on a plot level, which is just to kick it off, how did the synthetics get reprogrammed by the Romulan? Like, I have no idea. No idea. How did this happen so easily? I don't know. And the, the, so the, when when that falls apart, you end up in this place where I don't know what the synthetics are because we've seen like seventeen different versions of synthetics. We've right. we've seen the guys who worked on Mars who seem to just be robots that were walking around. We've seen mm-hmm. Soji who seems to be almost a person. We've seen the people on this planet who are like half Soji, half Data mixes, where they're not mm-hmm. perfect like Soji for some reason. I think it's just that they're older. They're the older models that have been yeah. upgraded. Yeah. I just, I, I feel that the show, for whatever reason, has not had a lot of conversations between Picard and a synthetic that is actually known to be a synthetic or something. Like, Soji doesn't right. really count because Soji is essentially a human person to us. Like, there's mm-hmm. no there's no dataness to her. So, it, it doesn't really mean anything in the storyline. And I just, I the show hasn't... <clears throat> The show has not in-depth explained or examined why the synthetic should be treated better than they are at this point, mm. which is very strange. And it's just kind of like a, this. The I'll, I'll wrap it up with this final thing and throw it to you. I think that the, the Kurtzman style of writing, which is Discovery in this, is to... It's, it's kind of like this current political... Uh, strategy where you you have a great belief in like the certainty of your belief system so you just say it and you expect that because you've said it that's enough to make it kind of true like you, mm-hmm. you don't need to explain why this is the case it's just it's clear that synths are humans it's clear that they deserve equal rights right. but you don't have like the thoughtfulness behind it to be like well, why is that the case and I think that really like undoes a lot of the interesting storylines that Star Trek can do because you kind of need to have a little bit of like, even if you don't believe it, you have to play devil's advocate slightly to make the point come across when you write the story out. And I don't feel that that exists in these stories. Well, you know, as far as the the synth thing goes, that if if you're dealing with this idea that uh, synthetics were were unjustly maligned for um, uh, the destruction of mars and and now they are are being shunned and and looked down upon and and hated there is not a single character on this on this show who's not a mustache twirling villain who doesn't like synthetics right the romulans are the only people that don't like them yeah Yeah. why doesn't instead of rios having like a ptsd memory about his captain shooting himself in the head (laughs) over after he after he lovingly drew a picture of uh jana or whatever her name is yeah why why isn't Rios like the guy who hates synthetics? Yeah. So at least you can have the conversation then about with the two opposing viewpoints about oh, you you can't trust these people. Well, it, you maybe you should, you know, it's not their fault. You're like there's no that's that's the main that's a big storyline on the show, but there's nobody there voicing the story. There's no drama or or conflict created because of it. Other than this stuff that happened 14 years ago that we have no connection to. And another thing that's the the bad guy plot motivated by a weird fever dream. Right. Yeah. You know, it's I like there's there's it's it's very difficult to 
explore what those things mean if you've got nobody there to explore it with. And it's not like it's not like Picard hates synths, right? And by the end of the show, he's like, you know what? I was wrong. Synths. I I thought it was okay for me to hate synths, but I had you know one of my best friends was a synth, and I thought that was enough. Uh, but you know they're they're all great. You know, it it there's not that stuff. It's just everybody's fine with them. Yeah, and and even on even outside of like a uh, just a pure like effective narrative storytelling uh, situation where you need that kind of thing, the the series itself is confused about this because if if you have Rios be that character or you have this sort of general ban on synths and stuff. All that seems to mean is that you can't build a robot body because Rios's holograms are synthetic intelligence. Like yeah. there's no there's no consistency to what it means. Does that mean that people just hate the, hate a like a terminator style robot that walks around but they're fine I, I with guess. any kind of other intelligence? Yeah, I mean, you know, they if they're giving you a physical, they're cool, but at the minute they pick up a hammer, you got to shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> Although they, they, I mean the yeah, the holog- the holograms can do stuff. I, I guess it's because they're tethered to a computer system or something. I don't know. So that makes it okay. Yeah, it's, it's like a safety de- default. You can you can deactivate them by yelling at them. Basically, you can say like, de- yeah, turn off yourself. Yeah. If not, I mean, even Rios. If you don't want, if you don't want to have, if you want to keep Rios's weird backstory. Make Rafi the one who hates synthetics. She should. She lost her job because of them. No, I, I think you could make all ca- like you could make Rios hate synthetics, but he uses a holographic crew, right? Which shows his mm-hmm. like sort of hypocrisy that exists sure. within sure. within him, and he can have some kind of argument that they aren't holograms because they're partially me. Like I am a part of them, and then you yeah. have this thing where Soji is like, "Well, I feel the same because I'm part of Data or I'm part of Maddox or whatever," and I feel like I'm a person. And then you actually have some kind of character interactions between right. the two of them. I don't, I don't know. It's strange. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of him taking a look at her and then having a a revelation <laughs> that he explains through ten minutes of backstory. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Aye. Backstory, backstory, backstory. How um, before we get to the the finale, what what's your and plus? Sorry, you could also if if he hates synthetics, he's on a ship with fucking Agnes Girati, who is the who who was the lead scientist at the Daystrom Institute working on synthetics. Then you know they're button heads and stuff, and then they fall in love, and like that's right. You, that's yeah. where character conflict comes from. Where you've got oh, there's a synthetic situation over here. Uh, Agnes Girati thinks it's good, and they should be uh, dealt with in a certain way. Rios thinks it's bad, and they should be dealt with another way. And that you know you can have those uh, those interactions. Yeah. But instead, it's just a bunch of people who are all fine with synthetics and just sitting on a ship together. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and if you, I mean, because none of those characters have a hatred of synthetics. You're left relying on the Romulans to be the bad guys of this mm-hmm. story, and the Romulans being the bad guys is just. I, I I think what's what's completely fascinating to me about the setup for this series is that they set it up at a point where fans were clamoring to know know what happened post Star Trek two thousand nine, right? That's the the right. first yeah right. the uh, the first Kelvin movie. They're like, we haven't seen any timeline past that. What happened to the Romulan star? What happened uh, as the fallout of all that stuff? What happened post-Dominion? And 
they set us up here with an interesting tease about what that universe is supposed to be like, right? But by by the end of this story, none of that matters, really. Like, it, right. the, the Romulan culture has been so unexplained as to what they're doing or, like, what's the status of the Romulan Empire at this point? Like, yeah, what's going bit, on? How, how can you... I don't know. How can you set up this story where their main star has exploded, their refugees, apparently, but at mm-hmm. the same time, they still have power to have treaties with people and hold on to this cube and stuff. It just doesn't make any... It just, it's it's weird that they took that setup and chose not to do anything with it. What yeah. we, you would think would be the prime story there is what happens to an empire that's been destroyed that way. Yeah, I mean, if if you go into this story and you just change it to uh, Romulus never blew up, Almost nothing changes. Nothing changes. Yeah, and I like the. I don't know what the status of them is supposed to be, because you've got, like you said, you've got on the one hand they're refugees. So you, the implication there is is that there is a lot fewer of them because the planet blew up, and they the the one of the main catalysts of the story is how Picard is mad because they couldn't save everybody. Right. Yet they have 250 warbirds they can spare to fly 25 light years to blow up a synthetic homeworld? Yes. Yeah. And they have a functioning military? Apparently. Not to mention not to mention a secret police and a super secret a super secret police <laughs> all apparently operating in conjunction with each other. Like when I saw Commodore O flying that warbird at the end, I just I didn't know I didn't know what that was that meant other than, oh, yeah, we got to put her in the story. Because if she's a, a Jat Vash, but they've got, do the Jat Vash have 250 ships? Right. Are they, is, is yeah, it, yeah. Are they divorced she, from Romulan society or, or are they Romulan society at this point? Yeah. Like if, or is the Jat Vash, is she a Jat Vash operating inside the Tal Shiar, also inside of Starfleet, but operating inside the Tal Shiar, she is gathering up regular Romulan forces to go blow up these androids. Right. So are the Romulans being suckered into this as well? Uh, by yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's, there's really no understanding of, of what the motivations and, and the positioning is for anything Romulan related other than, uh, yeah, we got to blow the androids up. Cause, uh, cause it made my nose bleed when I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's really the, you know, and it's not to, you can't rewrite the show or anything, but I, I just, I see the bones that are there. Like I, I think we've talked about it on the show, but it's like the Romulans finding the cube to me feels like it's a, or maybe I've only written about this on Discord or something, but like I see a series here where the the Romulan empire is destroyed. They find this cube, right? They use the cube because they're like, we need to get our footing back. Let's use this incredibly powerful technology that's incredibly dangerous, mm-hmm. but let's use this to try to get into an arms race with the Federation because we need to reassert ourselves. In response to that, and because the Dominion War was so catastrophic to the labor force, Starfleet has to churn out synthetic life forms to do work for them, right? So mm-hmm. you create this secondary class of citizens in the Federation who are built to do work and are not treated with the respect that the Federation citizens would expect. And it's an arms race between the Federation and the Romulans to see who can come out on top in that regard. At that point, 
the synthetic thing becomes like the ultimate weapon because you would understand why the Romulans would want AI like that and why the Federation would be terrified out of it and stuff like that. And Maddox is doing something that neither neither the Federation or the Romulans understand what Maddox is doing, so they're both trying to find him and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like there's a core of a story, but what they did was they just spun endless mysteries around every piece of that until you could no longer really see that that's the case about what's going on. And and I think that that kind of backstory is necessary for this kind of story that they're telling, because I just, I can't track this like sort of plot on plot storyline that they, they stuck instead of it. And especially if you're not going to give it a, um, like a metaphor or a theme really by the right, end of it, right. I don't, I don't know why you, you bothered. And so going into the last episode, I assume because the uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me the universal the universal trope uh, or the universal symbol of um, your friends showing up to save you at the last minute is to have you not be able to get through to them on communications ten minutes earlier. <laughs> I, should we assume that this this star this fleet that was going to Deep Space Twelve is now coming to them and is going to end up? fighting the Romulans, I assume, right? Do you think that'll happen? Well, I think it... I I feel like it probably will, but if it... Because it seems to be the way it's set up. But if it does, I feel like it's just blowing whatever the Romulans-Federation relationship is, just completely shattering that in two. Yes. That, so, that, that's why I can't imagine it happening, actually. I... I honestly, I in this show, I wouldn't put it past them to do it and not realize what the the consequences of that is. Because <laughs> we don't know. Because I don't know what is what is the current relationship between the Federation and the Romulans. They have a treaty. That's all we know. There's no neutral zone, and they have a treaty. Sure. Yeah. That's that's about it. I I could very easily see them doing that and forgetting that they have a treaty. The writers forgetting that they have a treaty or something. Right. Yeah. So like, if if Starfleet doesn't show up. Or let's say, let's say Starfleet. Uh, how would it work if they don't show up to blow up the Romulans? It's is Seven gonna fire up the Borg cube and blow them up w- with the Borg cube? If that Borg cube gets off that planet, I'm just gonna throw the TV through the window. Like the the thing, <laughs> the thing can't be functional at this point. There's no, I don't know. But I mean, that's what I. <clears throat> That's what I thought at the start, that like while there was this hopeless battle coming on, the cube would just come through and just shoot the shit out of everybody. Yeah, and that's that, what that I thought would be, was That would be the end of it, because that makes a sense. And, and you know, one... It's it's just... It's another... It's another of, like, the potential of what they could have done with the Borg here, which is really good at the start, but it's like the cube coming in and destroying the 200-some-odd warbirds is like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's why these things were so terrifying in the first place. And mm-hmm. you're just not going to get a sense of that. Instead, it, it crash-landed and has a nice beachfront property at this point. So if if it's not Starfleet showing up to blow, to fight the Romulans while some other bullshit happens on, on, Earth, on the planet, I'm thinking... It's the Kelpians and La- and Laris, yeah. Laris and the Kelpians. No, I'm thinking because Starfleet has to show up, right? They have to show up. If you're, it, 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 let's just, assuming they do show up, is this building? I, it's they're just going to build the series until we see 250 starships at the end in the final episode. Is that the that's the way they want to tease this out? 
I why not? Ugh, I'd, I'd be so it, upset. Would you, yeah. So let's say that they the, the Starfleet is involved and the ships are involved. If they're not sh- blowing up the Romulans, they're either going to show up and somehow be like depowered, and then the androids and the Borg cube are going to save the day. And at the end, it's going to be like, look, Federation, the androids aren't as bad as you thought. And also, don't be mean to these ex-Borgs anymore because they just saved your ass. Yeah. Um, or the, the Starfleet's going to show up like right after everything happens. Like the, every, the whole battle or whatever is going to happen. <laughs> and then Starfleet's going to show up after it's all over. Um, my, and if they do get into a fight, this is how I think they get around the treaty. If they do get into a fight, if Starfleet shows up and they get into a fight with the Romulans, there's going to be a line after everything is done about how um, the Jat Vash is is cons- is not considered part of Romulan whatever proper. Right. So it's a political thing where they're separating themselves from the Romulan. We're going to keep an eye on the Romulans, but it, we're, everything's intact for now. Yeah. Some shit like that. So like a terrorist cell operating within the Romulan <clears throat> yeah. Empire that doesn't not take even not even the chancellor of of the new romulan empire knew about the jat vash yeah you know yeah yeah. i i don't see that happening i mean that to me i i would bet again i would i would say it's like a 10 percent chance that we see starfleet in this i think that doesn't feel appropriate although now that i'm thinking about it to wrap this thing up, I don't know what the appropriate resolution is. If if Admiral Clancy shows up and says, I can't believe how fucking wrong I was or something, <laughs> I'd be like, wow, what a joke. What a joke to have that. I, I, I personally don't see this series ending with Starfleet recognizing itself. That would seem so odd if if yeah. if someone from Starfleet showed up and said, you know what, we were wrong and you were right, John Luke. Like We're going to change our policy. That feels really strange that they would even bother doing it at that point. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like the pieces that they have in play. How do these things these things shake out? Because I'm assuming what happens is the Romulans show up, and there's Rios and Seven of Nine have to fight them off, while uh, Picard has a heart to heart talk with Soji to get her to stop to break from Sutra and stop them from uh, signaling the, uh, you know, ro- robot overlords or whatever. Yeah. I could, I could see Soji, it's totally within the spirit of this, like Soji like transcends to another level, you know? And uh, yes. Like I could totally see that happening. Yeah. And she like, you know, she blink or she, uh, she snaps the Romulan fleet away and they like disappear or something. How about, how about this? All of the androids come together to form a giant Voltron of androids, <laughs> and it's they're they're two hundred and fifty feet tall, and they just start punching ships out of the sky. It, it would make more sense. I and they all have and it has Brent Spiner's face. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know. I, I I'll stay away from the speculation. I guess I I don't feel. I feel extremely sure that it's not going to be a satisfying ending for me. Um, like it's I just, I just don't sorry, see it happening that way. Yeah, it's just so weird because like uh, the the fate of your story now rests on a yet a third 
android with Soji's face that we don't know anything about who has different like a brand a, the fate of your story rests on a brand new character introduced in the second to last episode yes yeah and and it just feels really weird to me to go into the finale ha- with so much having happened and so little of it ultimately mattering yeah to the point where i don't know what's going to happen and I, I i say that a lot and i mean it not in a good way um because i don't know exactly who the players are and what the stakes are. Yeah, I don't know. What's your um What's your what's your take on Patrick Stewart at this point? What's your take on Picard and Patrick Stewart, I suppose? If you have any uh sort of I just ask because Patrick Stewart seems particularly old in this episode to me. Mm. Um I don't know I don't know if his age had some kind of impact on this story. Um mm-hmm. it seems that would not be the case because you, that that would be that'd be something like you'd almost realize halfway through shooting it that that, that something wasn't working or that like mm-hmm. you know you'd notice a lot of like stand-ins or body doubles or something like that, but he's the the red letter media guys just brought up a point and I wonder if you like do you think Patrick Stewart likes the character of Picard? Um, they mentioned this in their review just by saying that they feel that this series is a bunch of people who don't really care about the material, just happy to have a job, sort of making a making a yeah, show. I don't think I I don't agree with that. I mean, this he doesn't he didn't need to do this. No, that's the strange thing to me. You know, I, I like I I feel like. I feel like everybody who worked on the show would well. The jury's out on Brent Spiner because he seems to not really give a shit. But <laughs> everybody else seems to have, uh, if not reverence for the material itself, at least reverence for the fans of the material. Mm, well, uh, so, can I interrupt you? Did you see sure. the um, on Discord? Did you see? Uh, I think Kyle posted that interview clip with Calmini. No, I don't watch the stuff Kyle puts up. Okay, good. So, Call <laughs> Meany was on like a some kind of it looked like like an Irish uh, interview show or something, mm-hmm. and the the guy was just it's a very short clip. It's like two minutes, and the the host was kind of is that a is that, is that the show's called Chuggin, right? <laughs> the 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 host asks uh, Call Meany's like, did you ever feel stupid on Star Trek? And he starts going into him, I thought, fairly, like, somewhat hostile in a way, uh, because I don't know if he only watches, like, realistic mumblecore movies or something, but he's like, <laughs> he's like, what's it like when actors are out there sort of saying nonsense, and, you know, you have to wear these, like, uniforms and stuff like that, and Calmini had kind of a... Calmini seemed almost caught off guard, and, like, he was actually still embarrassed by it in some way, and... Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just a Calmini thing or if that actually goes to the rest of the actors in varying degrees to some level. Like, do they... It just got me wondering about Patrick Stewart, what he actually thinks about Picard. Like, is he... Does he look back on that in any way other than that's what the show that got my career started, really? like I think he must. You think like, he does? Uh, yeah. If you If you look at his career, his the thing that has made him who he is is 
uh, genre show slash movie after genre show slash movie. Like yep. he was Captain Picard, and then he was Professor Xavier, and like you, I think he has to have some reverence for that at the very least because of the you 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 can't do that stuff. You can't do Picard for seven years and then three movies and then do uh professor x for like 20 years right and and not understand why people like it and you know i don't even think what i don't think they would the people would be doing the conventions if they didn't like it you know Mm. maybe it's it's probably not something they go back and watch all the time but i think there's probably there's got to be a level of uh enjoyment or or reverence for the for the show if if only because of what it means to other people maybe i'm 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 the the convention thing always confuses me a little bit because uh shatner talks about the conventions that he does but he's very open on twitter and stuff about how much things cost to do stuff with him. Right, you right. know so it's like i i do think that I think that the conventions are enough of a moneymaker for them where it does hide their true feelings about things like this yeah. um I don't know. Like, I I don't particularly... I don't need Patrick Stewart to love the show or the series or anything. And it is strange if he didn't like it enough that he would want to come back to it. But, you know, the, the again, the propaganda that they pitched at the start of this, which is that they went to Stewart with such a killer story that he couldn't say no. It was like the Godfather yeah. offer. Oh, and Jesus. if that's the case, I just don't... I don't know what maybe he saw just, in it. Maybe he's just bad at picking scripts. He, he could be. <laughs> He was in that Christmas movie we watched, so that's right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll have more to say about uh, Stuart at the end of yeah, this. Yeah, it's it's just really fascinating when you when you think about it that way because it's like he wanted to do so. He the only reason he would only way he would come back is if we did something unlike anything we've ever done with Captain Picard before. So we wrote a story that involved Data and some Borg. Yeah, and Stuart just kind of tags along with a bunch of other characters. And yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I'll be honest with you. I could see being in the room as Patrick Stewart and then pitching this story to me and really loving it Mm -hmm. because they're going to pitch it to him based on the themes that they're trying to lay down, whether where you've got your... uh, um, refugee stuff with the synth or with the with the romulans and your uh, i'd say the growing angle. older it would be something that's sure would growing be like, older yeah. uh which is not something the 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 right of every star trek captain is to have a, a movie or at least an extended story where you deal with getting old and he yep. never really got to do that yep um but i could see i could see this story be really engaging if they're pitching it to me um i just don't think they remembered what made the pitch engaging. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad. Well, we can Either ha- that. I mean, who knows? Maybe he ju- he was just like, I need to buy a new house or I want to retire, so let me do 20 episodes of Star Trek across a two epi- two seasons. It'll take me a, a year and a half, two years to shoot. Yeah. And then I can retire and never have to work again. Yeah, it, it, it could be. It easily... Easily could be. I and mean, I- I, honestly, if, you, if you're thinking about it from a, a cynical standpoint... It's a hell of a retirement plan because, I mean, you keep that in your back pocket until you need it. And then you're like, I think I'm going to come back to Star Trek and everybody loses their mind. Right. He, he's the ultimate. He he held the cards in that situation. Yes. yes. Yeah. He, he could wait until 
uh, he wanted to wrap up or he wanted to do something else and then he can play it and they'll, everyone will come running for him. Yeah. Um, anything else about this one before we go, I guess, uh, what uh? What was that thing that they that they handed to Rafi that looked like the ocarina from Legend of Zelda? <laughs> it fixes things. <laughs> it just it, it's so funny because I just watched an episode of Supergirl where uh, Martian Manhunter uh, gives Supergirl's sister, who is who is not who's just a regular human, a weapon that is like a a a, a Martian technology weapon that can turn into whatever weapon she needs to, to turn into. She just has to think about it. Right. So it could be a gun or it could be like brass knuckles or a knife or something. And uh, that was the first thing I thought of where it's like, here's a magic thing that can do whatever you need it to do. Mm-hmm. What no. do you think about what what they said at the end of red letter media? Do you think Picard is going to plug into the board cube? No, no, no. That's that's too interesting. They probably <laughs> won't do it. <laughs> it is. I mean, I I think it's going to be very similar to the season finale of Discovery's second season, which was 45 minutes of laser fights in space and five minutes of wrapping the plot up. I don't know if you remember the Discovery season finale, but... Um, that was pretty much it. It was like we were we were surprised by how much of the episode was just the ships blasting the shit out of each other yeah, with laser yes. beams. I don't yeah. know. Don't know. Yeah, I don't I I mean it seems like they're really really uh working extra hard to make sure that that's how this also ends even though it doesn't feel like it earns it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um but you know, we'll see. Yeah, it's it, it's I just it's really depressing to me that this show ultimately has been a chore to watch. I felt that particularly strongly in the past couple episodes. I think yeah. I, I started off with somewhat high hopes, and it just, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like after episode four or so, it's just when it's when it was clear that there was there was not really anybody. There was not a clear story driving the ship uh, of the series. It just it became just like a, a a laborious thing to get through. Yeah, you know, I just I was like, well, okay, maybe Riker will show up. No, nope, not yet. Not maybe. <laughs> not, okay, it looks like Riker's showing up <laughs> finally, and that was like one big gasp of air, and then back into the minds of the admonition and the conclave of eight what it does the con what is the conclave of eight it's it's eight stars. stars right yeah the stars yeah. is that is that where the planet is yes what does that have to do with anything is 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 aria the grief planet the planet that they're currently on that's my question no idea i don't know either you would think if it was they'd be able to find them pretty quick well if they are it's because the way the Romulan, the Jat Vash went to the grief planet to put their hands in the magic hula hoop. Yeah. To, to find out all this other stuff. And then they left and they just didn't check two towns over, I guess for the, for the synthetic city well, of twins. I, I feel like there's just like a connection missing there or something. Like I, I, it, it, it kind of comes down to the Bruce Maddox thing. I just don't know where Bruce Maddox was for what he was doing really for that whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've already talked about Bruce Maddox. So I'll just why, wrap it up there. Why did, was it necessary for Rafi to know what the Conclave of Eight was? Because they just needed somebody to know, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, she just knew it was a star system or something, right? Isn't that the reason? She didn't know well, anything else she, outside of that. She knew of it because in some sort of conspiracy sense. Oh, she did? Yeah. I'm, that's I'm blacking where, everything out, I guess. Yeah. yeah. When, she, when she goes to see her son, the, uh, he's like, you would just come home drunk spouting stuff about synthetic revolution and the conclave of eight. That's where I, it popped up. And I was like, that's going to be important. And it's not going to make any sense oh, Jesus. because it, what? they just dropped it in conversation. And then when it came up, she was like, I knew it. The conclave of eight. Why does she know that? I don't know. <laughs> the organics came and now we have lost another sister. They will always fear us. Always turn on us. Hunt us. Kill us. In one day, our enemies will be here with overwhelming force, intent on exterminating us. That gives us just enough time. Just enough time for what? When I melded with her mind, I experienced this so-called admonition. But unlike you, I understood it. For you, it was a warning. For us, it was a promise. I guess this is a good uh, place as any to- much plot for one TV show here. <laughs> Before we wrap up, I was considering on the podcast, I don't know if this will actually happen because it's based on a lot of uh, external factors that I can't control, but is is there anybody out there who knows of a critical review of this series that ultimately enjoys it uh, in the sense that... Oh, I, I thought you were going to say we should all get together and lick our palms and rub them on each other's faces. Yeah, well, a- after we get done with that, maybe someone will have an answer for me. But is there a, um, like any review that people know or YouTube series or podcast or anything where it's a it's a critical look at the things? So it's not just sort of fanning out and saying like, oh, isn't it great that Patrick Stewart is back as Picard? But there's like a sort of um, uh, like a... Not academic, but like people actually looking at the story and coming away from it saying that this is actually very good. Um, mm. I'm interested in that. If anyone can find that, I've heard a few references that people have mentioned on the Discord. But if there's anyone like that, let me know in the comments or send an email or whatever, because I'm interested in that. And maybe there would be some kind of wrap-up podcast where we invite someone who's extremely pro the series on, and I just can see if they can change my mind about something. Mm. Um we did that for Discovery in the first season. I think it would be worth doing again for this one. But I can find enough people screaming about What's that? Who did we have on for that one? Uh, Kyle from Trexpertise. Was I there for that or was that just you? I don't remember. Mm, I think you were there. I'm pretty sure you were yeah. there. Yeah. I blacked that out too. That, that was the first season of Discovery, so it's a long yeah. time ago. I feel like this question comes up at the end of every one of these seasons. If, if there, anyone knows but, anyone who likes yeah, the show. By the end of every one of these new Trek seasons, it's like, if anyone could tell us someone who actually likes this <laughs> and doesn't just sound like an, an idiot. I, I, yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to be hard on, but like, I, like, there are plenty of podcasts out there that I would argue really enjoy the show. But to me, don't give me a good reason as to why they like the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but So if there are podcasts or something or YouTube videos or something like that, let me know. Um, because I, I just kind of need to, to see that. I I don't know. I, I, I find it strange. Because you saw that. We'll wrap out with this. Did you watch the, the other video that um, someone posted on the Star Trek channel about the difference between modern Trek and old Trek? Was it Kyle? Because no, if so. <laughs> I don't think it was Kyle. 
But I, there's no, the video on the Discord. I'll put a. I did uh, not watch that. No, I'll put a link to it. I I disagree with a lot of it, and it just leaves me wondering. Um, the people who really like the the modern track, where they're kind of coming from. It's just interesting because I I have a very hard time latching onto it. I really don't know. Do you do you know of any other series that get this kind of response from the fan base that are? I was thinking The Mandalorian, but I think Mandalorian is better than this show is. Mm-hmm. It, it might not knock your socks off, but it's like I can't say that The Mandalorian is an actively bad TV show. Right. I just can't think of another um, series where the fans of it are so positive for it, but like the critical reception is so cold to it. Yeah. My, my well, maybe I don't know about critical reception because I wasn't really following that stuff at the time, but. For my money, I could never understand what people liked about The Walking Dead. Yeah. I watched like the first three seasons of that show and I was just like, people are going nuts for this and I don't know why. Because mm. nobody, it just, <clears throat> like I, it was fun from like a gorehound point of view. But as far as stuff that was happening and the characters and everything, it was just a mess. Yeah. And, uh, but people seem to love it. It's been on for nine fucking years or whatever. Maybe Entourage. Did you ever watch Entourage? I did not. I did not watch Entourage. Uh, Entourage might be that kind of a thing too, which was, it got really stupid. Sons of Anarchy is kind of the same way too, I suppose. Mm. Eh, maybe I, I liked Sons of Anarchy for like one season. The first two were fine. I, the first, the yeah. second season of that show was actually very good. And then it quickly fell completely apart. Real silly. Yeah. Real fast. <laughs> The uh, the Sons of Anarchy version of the ships in Discovery shooting each other for 45 minutes is them chasing somebody on motorcycles, which mm. they do 27 minutes of every episode, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, that's it. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Patreon.com slash The Penske File is the best way to support the show if you enjoy the content. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. And I hope everyone's doing well with the, uh, the coronavirus. We'll be back to finish off the Picard series next week, and that's it. I'm... Um, in the middle of a move. So after that, there might be a little bit of a lull in material, but we'll figure something out after Picard ends because we have to fi- uh, figure out where the Star Trek podcast goes after that. So, well, we'll if see. you need, if you need me to cover, I can, I can do a couple episodes where I talk about all the pot- wasted potential of Tasha Yar for like five <laughs> hours. I'll do one. I'll do one hardcore history length episode about Tasha Yar. <laughs> She's going to be the advanced uh, creature that shows up in the tenth episode of this. And oh Picard my god! Says, Tasha, I would love back. it. That's it. Every uh, it's going to be five episodes. Each episode is going to be four and a half hours long. <laughs> Me talking about the ins and outs of why Tasha was underutilized. Ins and outs. Um, that's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Social media links are down below. You can click all those. Patreon.com slash is the best way to support us. I think that's it. I'm very sad. I'm I was I was happy for this series. I was really looking forward to it. And I don't know. I'll have more thoughts in the the final episode, I, su- I suppose, about this. I know that we didn't talk about this episode particularly all that strongly in this one, but I think that the like the the larger meta aspects of this are really more important to me than anything else. Well, quick, what was your favorite part of the episode? Um, yep, there we go. <laughs> Covered it. <laughs> I liked the the vests, and I liked their... <laughs> Honestly, it might have been the visuals of seeing the cube come through the conduit and then crash. 
mm-hmm. was kind of cool. Um, yeah, it's not enough to, for me to to bring up in the normal part of this podcast as a moment that I really enjoyed, but I did like seeing it crash on the, like, or the crashed results or something. But I, what I about think that's it? What about how uh, how they they covered? How Narek could possibly have followed them by Soji saying, essentially, I don't know. I guess he guessed where we were going to go. Yeah, he extrapolated our position. <laughs> and then uh, then he uses his cloaking device to throw a duplicate. Yes. Uh, yeah. Decoy. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of fun. Can everybody do that? I hope so. That Maybe there's not 250 Romulan warbirds. It's just 125 or whatever. Yeah. I will say, in all seriousness, my fa- I think my favorite part of the episode was the scene with Gerardi and Picard where uh, the silent back and forth about his disease. Yeah. I really liked that. I thought that was really good. I know we, we've gone long here, but I, I, I agree that's a good scene. I mean, I don't really buy that they have that relationship here. And the whole, the whole build up to that, like when Picard gives his speech about like, I don't want any of you, shitheads giving me any grief about dying (laughs) i'm Uh, dying so shut up i that scene works in a show where i believe that that crew has built a relationship with each other sure sure it doesn't work here whatsoever for me and and also it it was another one of those weird plot beats where i kind of wondered if that information being revealed early in their journey would have been better Mm. i was just thinking that yeah where they're like, listen, old man, like you're dying. What's the point of doing this? Like, why don't you go home to your vineyard and just pass away? And yeah. Him saying, well, no, I have to fight through this, and this is like more important than that, and stuff like that. It just it it doesn't feel like it fits appropriately here to be revealed at this point. Yeah, or if like they know early on, maybe Rios pulls Rafi aside and and he's like, he wants to go down to this casino planet wearing an eye patch and a fake <laughs> French accent. Are we sure he's not just dying right. from the brain? <laughs> down <laughs> just scan him give him a good scan yeah that's the it's it's just another one of the throw it on the pile of i can't believe they kind of introduced him dying in this series and it really doesn't matter all that much it's it's not a focal point of it it's people are sad because they're supposed to be sad that captain picard is dying but mm. it doesn't doesn't matter all right we're done uh clay do you have anything you want to plug uh, if you'd like to check out the Rotten Horror Picture Show, which is the new show that Amanda and I have been doing about the movies off of the 200 best horror movies of all time list on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, you, you, we'd be much obliged for you to do that. We just covered Starry Eyes, which is a, a under-the-radar favorite of mine from 2014, so check that out. Yep, and then Marriage Story is our final Oscar contender. We're a little bit late with it, but our, uh, Marriage Story is going out this Tuesday, the coming Tuesday, so a couple of days from now. Also, but, Marriage Story also on the 200 best horror movies list. Yes, that's right. It's number number five, actually. <laughs> it's a prize ranking, but we killed two birds with one stone. Uh, we threw it right through the drywall. Thank you guys very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed Picard. Let us know what you thought in the comments below. Email us, all that stuff, social media. Otherwise, have a good one. We'll be back with the final episode at an Arcadia Ego Part 2 next week. See ya.